Are you in Ephesians chapter 3? Ephesians chapter 3. The Bible says in verse 20 and 21. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. I want to speak tonight on the subject, unto him be glory in the church. And may it please the great God of heaven that formed all things to stamp his divine approval upon the reading, hearing, heeding, and preaching of his forever settled in heaven word of God. And before I ask you to pray with me and for me, may I give you three quick facts about God. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. And his truth endureth to all generations. Would you pray with me and for me, please? Dear Lord, thank you that Miss Judy and I had the opportunity to be here in Gospel Baptist Church tonight. And I pray that you would bless everything that's been done and bless the preaching of thy word. May our mind be clear. And I pray that you would just help us. Keep your hand on Pastor Lytell and the staff that he has here and the good people at Gospel Baptist Church. May you do a work in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. I was thinking your name is Gospel Baptist Church. I think you have been named well. One of the things that Gospel Baptist Church majors in is the gospel. That's evident by the fact that a couple thousand tracts were passed out this week. For the year, you are up over 95,000 gospel tracts. That means somebody has an opportunity. When you give somebody a gospel tract, you're introducing God in their life. And someone may take the gospel tract, wad it up, throw it down, and say they don't want that or won't read it. And somebody else may pick it up, or they may have stuck it in the pocket and read it later. And there's all kinds of stories of people who have gotten saved off of gospel tracts. How many of you folks here were saved off of a tract? Anybody? Well, some people were saved off of the gospel tract. And you're getting the gospel out. You know, the hope of America, and frankly right now, it's trying... You have to try hard to find a little hope in America right now. Now, I'm a, I joined the Navy. I, I wasn't drafted. I joined. And the uh, best thing ever happened to me happened to me while I was in the Navy. I got saved, trusted Jesus Christ on May the 7th, 1962, while a sailor in the Navy. I love this country. We had uh, Veterans Day in Winkler Road Baptist Church this morning and a number of men from the branches of the services that were there, and they were thanked for their service. And... Uh, one of the hopes of America. Uh, the hope of America, now I hope that we get the House and the Senate. I would hope that. But if we don't, we have problems in this country that Democrats can't solve, Republicans can't solve, and together they can't solve. We didn't get in this mess overnight, and we won't get out overnight. But one of the things, you see, our problem in America is not our problem. We think our problems in America is inflation and high prices for gas and this and this and going down the list. That's not our problem. Our problem is what's caused our problem. And what has caused our problem is we have forgotten God. And God said, you forget me, I'll forget you. Then he said in Hosea, I'll forget your children. Our children are in trouble in this country as well as dads and moms uh, in this country. And one of the things that's going to help us get through this is a local church. Churches like Gospel Baptist Church, where people can assemble together. Do you realize when Miss Judy and I was coming tonight, I saw your billboard down there about Choose Life? 
uh, you have taken a stand against certain things and a stand for certain things. And when people come to Gospel Baptist Church, they're going to hear the Word of God, and they have the opportunity to choose life. You know, God said, I sit before you life and death. Choose life. He wants people to be saved. And where are they going to learn how to get their lives transformed, radically transformed for the gospel's sake, except in churches or people passing out gospel tracts? And the passage of Scripture that I had you to turn to, he is saying to us, now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. He is talking about the same power that wrought Jesus Christ from the dead. That's in chapter 1 of this book. That power, and that's powerful, is working in us, and we can live for God when it seems like it might be difficult to live for God, but he wants us to. The Lord loves the church. Uh, Reading in the book of Ephesians chapter 5, when he's talking about husbands and wives, and he said to wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands. And he said, but here's the reason for that. Even as Christ is the head of the church, Christ owns the church. The Bible teaches us, Paul said, if I can't come to you, I want you to know how to behave yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the, tr- of the truth. The church is, is owned by and started by the Lord Jesus Christ. And he is saying it's the pillar and ground of the truth. You don't want to ever let your church die or close its doors. And that happens, and people are doing that. But you, don't, you want to make sure that you have the truth available for people where they can come and hear the truth. It's the, it's the ground and the pillar of truth. And he said it's the church of the living God, and he's the head of it. And then he said that Jesus is to be, he We are to submit to him as the church is submitting to Jesus Christ. And then he says in verse 25, Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might present it to himself a glorious church. And the text that we are in tonight is that unto him be glory in the church through Jesus Christ, world without end. Amen. Baptist churches are unique. Baptist churches are laid out unique. When you come into the building back here from one of these two doors or four doors back there, the focal point of this building is this place right here. This is called a pulpit. The word pulpit is mentioned one time in the book of Ezra. They built a pulpit of wood, and they stood upon it, and they opened up the book, and they proclaimed the book, and they read in the book, and they made people to understand the book. And they gathered men, women, and children. And uh, they stood and listened to the word of God upon this pulpit of wood. This place right here is the message center of Gospel Baptist Church. If the pulpit, not be talking about the pastor, if the pulpit, if the pastor is not for it, it's not going to work. It's not going to fly. You can't have somebody saying, well, I'm going to run my little program over here, run my little program over there. If we're not unified, and, and here is the main portion of that. So this is the main thing. I'll come back to this. Also, when you come into a Baptist church, usually behind the pulpit is a baptistry. I said, Brother Cronin, is there a baptistry up there? Because, well, it's gone now. I should have looked. He said, yes, there is one up there. 
And uh, that's our mission, to win people to Christ, baptize them, and then to teach them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And then also in a Baptist church, usually up front, there is a communion table. Brother Chris said on the front of that where the little banner was, it says, this do in remembrance of me. This is where the communion table is. It's the meal that we want to honor the Lord in. Now, before we had COVID, a lot of churches, they also had on the table where the communion table was, offering plates. And usually men came up, they were the ushers, whether they were the deacons and or trustees, they'd come up and they pick up the offering plates and pass them out. Then we had COVID, and this is not the only thing that stopped that, but we had COVID and they didn't pass plates. And uh, I think here you all have a place you can give in the back, but you need a place to give. And uh, then also right in here, oh, over here on either side, we have musical instruments. We have a piano over here and an organ over here. And then we have the other things like this. And then we have the people, the multitude of people. Now, if you're sort of thinking with me, when you come in here, you have a straight line coming through here, through the multitude, through the meal, through the money, through the message, through the mission. And then over here, we have the musical instruments. Now, what does this sort of reminds you of. In a Baptist church, we magnify the gospel. The gospel is how that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, and they was buried and rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. So our text says, unto him be glory in the church. I start with the message place, because this is important. You need to pray for your pastor. You need to pray for your pastor's health. You need to pray for his study habits. You need to pray for his preaching and his living and everything about him. You need to ask God to help him. And uh, I've been down to your services on a number of occasions on Sunday morning, and I've always been blessed by Brother Lytell's preaching. Some of the times I've called him or told him, said, I really enjoyed that. He always has something out of the Bible. And... uh, Gospel Baptist Church is a gospel preaching church. And so when pastor preaches, uh, the sovereign of our preaching, did you know the word sovereignty and sovereign is not mentioned in the Bible? You know, for those who are real hyper-Calvinists, they always talk about the sovereignty of God. Now, God is God, and he has dominion over all things, and he is the head over all things, and he is king of kings and lord of lords, but that word's not found in our Bible. But he is, the, he is our We want to magnify God. Jeremiah said in Jeremiah chapter 9, Thus saith the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might, let not the rich man glory in his riches, but he that glorieth, let him glory in this, that he knoweth and understandeth me that I am the Lord, which exercise righteousness and loving kindness and and truth. For in these things I delight, saith the Lord. You don't want to brag about, and, and the word glory, let, don't let them glory in this. Uh, the Bible talks about, it's the word boast. In Psalm 44, 8, uh, you boast in the Lord. If you're going to brag, brag on the Lord. If you're going to boast, boast in the Lord. And uh, you don't boast in how smart you are or how much money you have or how strong you are. You boast in God. And we want to make sure that we magnify the Lord. Pastor Bill? I think you do, and I would just enforce, reinforce your thought, magnify, make much of God here, and he'll make much of you. You honor the Lord. Uh, 
Paul said in Timothy, he wanted uh, all men to come to the knowledge of the truth and uh, to know God and come to the knowledge of the truth and to be saved. And God is the Savior. Matter of fact, I was struck by that just reading in Timothy a number of times where the Bible talks about God our Savior. God our Savior. We typically think of Jesus our Savior, but then God and Jesus are one. Jesus said, I and my Father are one. And so uh, he said to Thomas, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So, but it, God is called God our Savior. And Jesus is the Savior of all men, especially to them that believed. All men potentially could be saved. Actually, those who believe will be saved. You have to believe, but you want to you magnify the Lord. And the source of our preaching is from the Bible. You always want to take a, a text out of the Scriptures and open up, Thus saith the Lord. I appreciated when the young men read the scriptures tonight for the Lord's table. They used their Bibles. I'm one of those kind of guys. I'm a book guy. I'm not a tablet guy or a phone. I have a phone, but I'm, that's not me. I like to have my Bible in my hand, carry it in my hand, open my Bible. When I'm reading books, I read books. I, I may have something on Kindle, but probably very little time I've ever read something. I would only read probably a book on Kindles if I didn't have a book in my hand. Now, that's just me. Everybody has their little quirks. Uh, if, if I won't hold your quirk against you if you don't hold my quirks against me. But I just like to have a Bible in my hand. I like to have a, a book in my hand. And you want to preach, thus saith the Lord. Preach the word. Jonah was told, go preach the preaching that I bid thee. You know, when you open the Bible and preach, you're preaching what the Lord bids. Now, let me tell you what, what good preaching is. Everybody has their favorite style of preaching. I have my favorite style of people that I like to hear. Uh, Abraham Lincoln, he said, I like to hear a man preach like he's fighting bees. Now, I suspect if you're going to fight bees, you're going to be a little animated. Now, uh, I'm not real animated. I don't run around and all that, and uh, I sometimes move around. Uh, but you want a guy to have something. You want, you want to make sure he's still alive while he's up there. <laughs> and if he's moving, you're pretty safe to think that he is alive. And uh, I, don't, I don't want to be monotone. Uh, sometimes if, if you can be monotone loud. You could scream the whole thing, and that's monotone. Uh, you want to have uh, variety in your voice. Uh, you want to make it interesting. Uh, it is, but good preaching is this. According to Colossians chapter 1, and the last few verses of that chapter, good preaching does four things. It will exalt the Christ, the Savior. It will explain the Scriptures. It will expose sin, and it will edify the saints. Now, you may not do all four of those in the same message. You might, uh, but it will always exalt the Savior. It will always explain the Scriptures. It will always expose sin, and it will always edify the saints. That's what good preaching is. Now, sometimes a guy is accused of not preaching because he didn't raise his voice or he didn't do anything, didn't have a loud point. I was in a place the other day, and a guy said, do you jump and scream and, and, and run around on the platform? And I said, you've heard me preach before. What do you think? He forgot. And uh, what he was saying was, if that's what you do when the singing's over and you start, I'm leaving. Now, that's not my style. Uh, but I've heard guys who could do those things, and I wouldn't want to leave because they got something to say. That's the key there. Are you saying something? Now, if you're not saying anything, might as well go ahead and sit down anyway. And, uh, and to be honest, I've been preaching before, and I'm thinking, why, and why don't you just stop, Don, and let everybody go home and, and 
leave them, relieve them of their misery. Listen to what you're doing right now. But the point is that it is the, uh, we're preaching out of the Bible. And if you give them the Bible, no matter what your style is. Now, I think I ought to try to make it interesting. And you ought to pray for your preacher that the Lord would help him as he preaches. Help him to, just to be able to communicate the, the gospel. And to certainly make the gospel look good and not make it look bad. And uh, you, you want to be all things to all men as best you can. It's hard to be all things to all men. But the source of our preaching is from this book, from the Bible. You want to preach thus, saith the Lord. Preach the word, Paul said. Be instant in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. What I say may or may not have any importance to it, but what God says is forever settled in heaven and uh, we'll have to give an account. And someday God's going to say to us, did you never read? Did you never read? Didn't you read that? You have a Bible. I tell you, as we go on, if some things, whether they change or not in America, but they keep getting worse, you're going to have to become real friendly with your Bible. It's going to be the only place you can get any kind of hope at all. And to know that the Lord is coming. And he'll, he'll, he'll settle all this up. So that is, the, that is the, the source, the Bible. And then the subject, obviously, is Christ. You know, when they, had, when they had the persecution in Jerusalem and they went everywhere and uh, they were scattered abroad, they went down and uh, they got down in one of the cities and preached Christ to them. And the Bible says there was great joy in that city. You know what? Bonita Beach needs and Bonita Springs and Fort Myers in the state of Florida. They need to hear about Jesus Christ. That he is the Savior of the world and the only Savior. They need to know that he said, I am the way, the truth, the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. They need to under, understand that. So I'm saying that we need to have glory in the church. Let him have glory in the message right here. And then let him have glory in our mission. Our mission is to go out into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Preach the gospel to every creature. No exceptions. And try to win them to Christ. And when you win them to Christ, then you want to baptize them. And then you want to teach them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. In the Bible, in the book of Acts, when the church was just getting rolling along and people got saved, the ones who got saved got baptized. And uh, baptism is something that the Lord commanded it. We do this in obedience to the Lord. It identifies us with the gospel. When you get baptized, you're standing in the water. When you're standing in the water, you're showing Jesus dying on a cross. When you're laid back in the water, it's a picture of Jesus being buried in the tomb. When you come back up out of the water, it's a picture of Jesus being raised from the dead. It identifies us and pictures the gospel. So when somebody got saved in the book of Acts, they got baptized. Do you know the time frame between when they got saved and when they got baptized? Do you know in the book of Acts, do you know who went the longest time from point of salvation to point of baptism? It was Saul of Tarsus. He went from salvation on the road to Damascus. Three days later, he got baptized. Most everybody else, they got saved and baptized and added to the church daily. Such as should be saved. When I got saved, because of my background, I did not get baptized right away. Matter of fact, I wanted to think about it. My thought was, this was my thought processes in those days, that uh, I want to make sure I'm saved. Uh, if I'm going to get baptized... I, I want to be sure that I'm, that I'm saved and I'm doing this. And uh, 
Did you ever have a eureka moment? A eureka moment is you believe something. And then one day, you really believe it. It's like a guy, he had been preaching on the resurrection for some time, but on this particular Easter, he was in his study, and he was studying about the resurrection. All of a sudden, he stopped. And he said, he's alive. He's alive. He really is alive. And he got up, and he's walking around his office. He said, he's alive. He's alive. Now, he believed that before. But on that day, it really gripped him. And he never preached again without preaching something on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There are people who, they're saved. And they would say they're saved. And then one day, it sort of just comes home. It's that eureka moment. I really am saved. It's not me. I'm not keeping myself saved. I'm trusting Jesus, and he is the Savior. So uh, I learned that later. I did not know then. So it was probably a few months by the time I got saved and when I got baptized. But in the Bible, they got baptized right away. Now, ever how you all do it here, I'm not here to tell you how to run Gospel Baptist Church. I'm just talking about let him have the glory in our message, let him have the glory in our mission. And then I would say, let him have glory in our music. One of the things that I like about Gospel Baptist Church is you have good music. You know, good music has a way of teaching you, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And so if music's going to teach us, you want to make sure that it has some scriptural basis, some scriptural foundation. And uh, in the old days, they sang hymns that were the psalms. Uh, I have a friend who pastors up in Fairbanks, Alaska. And I had the privilege of being in that church, and probably for 40, 45 minutes, they sang scriptural songs. And uh, they stayed in church all afternoon because it was too, ho- too cold to go home in Fairbanks, Alaska. So they just stayed, and then when they finished up, everybody went home. And uh, they sang other songs too, but they sang a lot of songs. And, uh, you know, God is so good to let us, is any, Mary, let him sing psalms. It's a, it's a means of expressions. Music is so important. It affects so much of your life. It can affect your heart rate. It can affect your mood, your emotions. Uh, In a restaurant, it could affect how much you eat, how well you digest it. Uh, In a barn, it might cause cows to give better milk or more milk. Uh, There's just something about music. Uh, When Saul, King Saul, back in the Old Testament, had an evil spirit on him, They found a young man by the name of David who was a harpist. And they brought him in, and he played his harp. And when he played his harp before the king, there was three responses. He had a physical response, he had an emotional, mental response, and he had a spiritual response. When he played that, the Bible says of King Saul, he was refreshed. And he was well, emotionally, mentally. And the evil spirit departed from him. Music can be such a blessing in churches. Now, I like music where it's alive. You know, it doesn't have to be uh, wild stuff to be alive. I mean, I'd like to have heard the young lady play, uh, brother and sister not, dad not, daughter not, not a not anymore, but uh, uh, she's she's not anymore. (laughs) But I would love to have heard that because I would say that would have been good. You can sing with your heart and make it exciting. And the Lord ought to have preeminence in our music. Music ought to honor and glorify the Lord. And then in a Baptist church, we just observed the meal 
It is called the Lord's table. Now, with the Lord's table, there are some churches who do it once a year. There are some who do it quarterly, some who do it monthly, some who do it weekly. Some don't do it at all. The Bible lays down some grand, ground rules for observing the Lord's table. Uh, first of all, you should do it. It's taught in the Bible. And it's also taught in the Bible that you should examine yourselves before you do it or while you're doing it. And then you want to make sure you do not do it in an unworthy manner. He's not saying you ought to feel worthy to do this. That's not the word. It's you don't do this in an unworthily manner. If you have sin in your life, and Brother Chris was very clear about that, then you should not do that. One of the things when the Bible says examine yourselves, and so let me that read, the, the, the implication there is when you examine yourself, even sitting in church here tonight, you came in and you didn't know it was going to be communion and you had no time to examine your heart or anything, if you do that while you're here and the Lord points out something, if you confess it. You see, the Bible says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You can, if you confess it, you can have instant forgiveness. And then you can partake of the Lord's table in a worthily manner. It's not in an unworthy manner. There's three looks at the, at the Lord's table. There's a look within, you confess your sins. There's a look back, and you remember Calvary. And there's a look forward, you remember he's coming. And if you put those together, you'll be able to have the right spirit and the right attitude about the Lord's table to have the, the meal where he is getting glory. And you want him to have glory. You want him to have the, the doxology of things in the message, the mission, the music, in the meal, and also in the money. Now, you don't have offering plates up here now. You probably used to before, maybe before COVID. But you have offering plates somewhere. I have been in churches where they just had a box. And my problem with the box is I, in our place, we would always pass the offering plate. So if they didn't pass an offering plate, I wasn't thinking about it. So when we were leaving, I didn't see a box. Nobody said anything about the box. But those who went there knew about the box, and they had good offerings. You know, there's an interesting story in the Old Testament. A man by the name of Jehoiada, he saved a kid when Athaliah, the wicked queen Athaliah, was going to kill all the royal seed. And he saved that kid with his mother. And they hid that kid in the house of God for six years. It's amazing. Can you imagine hiding a kid in the house of God for six years? And uh, they did not know. He knew it was there. There were a few, obviously, people who knew it was there. Well, when they made this kid king at seven, the, uh, this kid had a heart for the house of God because of Jehoiada had a heart for the house of God. And he instructed that boy about repairing the house of God. And they, they took a box and they put a top on it, put a hole in it, and told people to come bring their offerings. They filled that box up. They took it down there and went and filled it up again. There was just something about how those people gave. And so I'm thinking, you know, maybe what we ought to do is uh, if you're going to have offering plates, put them on those. Have you seen those little, little, it's like a little cloth bag and it has a little handle here. And they pass them. You ever seen that? I thought we ought to get a little chest like, like the one they had in the Old Testament, put handles on it. And uh, so that when you pass that down, they could put their offering in, in that chest if that's what they wanted to do. But uh, you want God to have, you want God to have the glory in your money. Now, the Bible says, will a man rob God? 
That's a powerful question. Who would even think of the question? God asked that question through Malachi. Will a man rob God? What do you think? Will a man rob God? God said, you did. This nation has robbed me. Can you imagine? How would you like to live in a neighborhood where it was common knowledge this neighborhood is full of thieves? You wouldn't want to leave your house, would you? Certainly not unlocked or your car. You'd probably want to find a new neighborhood. God is saying a man who doesn't give his tithe. You you don't give tithes. You pay your tithe. You owe that. Mathematically, it's a tenth. Scripturally, it's a command. Economically, it's an investment. But it's also a blessing. The Bible says, given it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Shall men give into your bosom? In England one time, years ago, they did a little contest, a paper did, and they wanted to find out who had the best definition of money. This is what won. Money is a universal passport to everywhere but heaven and a universal provider for everything except happiness. That's pretty good, isn't it? You know, money can buy a church, but it can't buy salvation. It can buy a house, but it can't buy a home. It can buy a lot of things. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes, he that loveth silver shall not be satisfied with silver. The more you have, the more there'll be people wanting to take it away from you. Evidence by fact, you ever seen a U.S. heavyweight boxing champion come into a room? When he's getting ready to go into the ring, he's got his, he's got his robe on and so far, and he's dancing around, and he's got this entourage. And uh, there may be 10, 15, 20 people, and all of them got these long arms and hands in his pockets. That doesn't show that right there, but that's why they're with him, because they're living off of him. And uh, that guy's getting, he's getting beat up big time, and they're just raking into money. The more you have, there'll be more that somebody wants to take it away from you. But you won't be satisfied with silver. God has so fixed it. You want to know how to have a heart for a Gospel Baptist Church? I'm going to tell you how you can have a heart for Gospel Baptist Church. Would you like to have a heart for missions? I want to tell you how to have a heart for missions. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 6, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Now, don't reverse that because the Bible doesn't. We think that where your heart is, that's where your treasure is. Jesus said, no, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. You want to have a heart for Gospel Baptist Church? It's like we say today, you have any skin in the game? When you put your money in something, you're having a little skin in the game. And so when you you tithe to your local church, you know, you don't go down to McDonald's and then go over to Burger King and pay. Uh, Since I had the privilege of pastoring in Florida where we have a lot of snowbirds, you know, there's three kinds of people that come to Florida. There's snowflakes, snowbirds, and frogs. Snowflakes, they come down here, they don't stay very long. They're here and they're gone. Snowbirds, they come down, they stay a while. Frogs come down here to croak. (laughs) This one kid, he said, Grandpa, can you make a noise like a frog? He said, well, I can. Why? He said, because Daddy said as soon as you croak, we're going to Hawaii. (laughs) That would make a man not want to croak right away, wouldn't it? 
I used to tell people, they would say, well, I'm down here and I'm up there. What should I do? I, if I was just visiting somewhere, I'd give an offering. And then I would send my tithe to my church. But if I was down here six months, I'd tithe here six months. And if I was back home, I'd tithe there. Uh, that's just that's another one of my little quirks. If I won't judge you for your quirks, you don't judge me for my little quirks. Uh, there's just something about where your treasure is. That's where your heart will be also. Do you want God to be glorified in your money? Don't you want your money to be used for the right things? By the way, you don't get money. You don't get rewarded in heaven for money you lose. When Black Monday hit us some years ago and people lost a lot of money, they don't get rewarded in heaven for losing money. You only get rewarded for what you give. One lady in the Bible, she spent all that she had on her living and was nothing better. And there was another lady who was in, an older lady, she was in the temple, and she was in line to put her money, and when her time came, she took her little uh, picture of this lady with gnarled fingers and arthritic fingers, and she opens up her little handkerchief, and she takes out her two mites, chink, chink, and drops them in. And Jesus said, this woman, this woman has given more than everybody. Now, the rich, they gave, and they gave a lot. But he said, this woman, she has given all of her living. She doesn't have anything left over. I've thought about that. And I've thought, and I'll ask you the same question that I thought. Do you think Jesus let that woman go home and starve to death? I bet you in your heart of hearts you don't believe that. And I don't believe that either. Let me tell you what I, what I believe, and then I'm going to tell you that what I believe, why it's not in the Bible. <laughs> you got that? I believe when that lady did that and Jesus said, this lady's giving a thing, some other guy, probably a rich guy who loved God, he may have saundered up. You know that word, saundered up. He just went up beside this lady and he put his hand on his shoulder. He said, Granny, can I call you Granny because you remind me of my grandmother? Can I give you something? Put this in your pocket. And when she got home, she probably had never seen that kind of money. Now, you're thinking, Brother Strange, if that's what happened, why didn't God say that's what happened? Well, I'm going to tell you why he didn't say that. Because if he'd have said that, every time you put money in the offering plate in here, you'd be expecting somebody to meet you out in the parking lot and give it back to you. <laughs> now, God gives it back. Press down, shaking again, running over, but not necessarily when you walk out in the parking lot. A congressman, <laughs> amazing, a congressman, wanted to take his... 10-year-old son to McDonald's to have a little bonding time. And his boy loved French fries. And uh, dad bought him a large order of French fries. They went over and sat down at the table. And the boy's eating those French fries. And dad smelled those French fries. And he said, mm, that smells good. So he just reached over to get a French fry. And his son said, dad, those are mine. Dad said, my son's got an attitude problem. And he said, but at that moment, God taught me the greatest lesson of stewardship I'd ever learned. He said, here's what I learned. He said, my son has, he has an attitude problem. First of all, he forgot where those french fries came from. I bought them. Secondly, he doesn't understand that I have the power to take all those french fries away from him if I want to. Or I could go buy 20 more large size of French fries and just smother him in French fries. Size, he doesn't understand. I don't need his French fries. I have enough money in my pocket. I can go buy all the French fries I want and sit over there and eat them by myself. 
You know everything you and I have? God gave it to us. He gives us all this stuff, and all he asks for is a tenth back that you keep tiny. And then when you learn, you can do more and better, and he still blesses all of that. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, press down. And uh, the thought in the Old Testament was, bring you all the tithe into the storehouse and see if I won't open the windows of heaven before you out a blessing that you can't receive. Let him have glory in our money. And then one more, let him have glory in our multitude. One of the things that Gospel Baptist Church does, you send out buses. And when you send out buses, you just never know what you're going to get. You get children that maybe are a little rambunctious, and they may mess up the place. You know, the Bible says that uh, where there's no oxen are, the crib is clean. But there's much increase of the strength of an ox. The churches need to have little children running around. And uh, now, not being disruptive where you can't preach and can't worship the Lord in spirit and truth and beauty of holiness, but uh, you need to go after people. Jesus said, go after the poor, the halt, the maimed, the lame, the blind, the, the whatever. You know, there's going to be a lot of people in the coming days that you're going to invite somewhere to come to church, and they're going to walk in here, and they're going to be tattooed up. Or they're going to have the ravages of sin. But then again, all of us have that, but maybe not to the same degree as some other people. I've told Winkler Old Baptist Church, there's a lot of people sitting in this room there, probably here too, that if you would have known us before we got saved, you wouldn't like us. But when God comes in, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. You're a new person. You're somebody you've never been before. So go after people. May he have the glory in our people. Well, here's our little cross. We got the message, the mission, the meal, the money, the multitude, and the music. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Lord, whatever Gospel Baptist Church has been doing, help them to keep doing it only better and more. I pray you keep your hand on Pastor Lytell. Give him good health. May he prosper and be in health even as his soul prospers. Watch over Kathy and his family, children, grandchildren. Watch over the staff here, the deacons, people who work in all the ministries at Gospel Baptist Church. Lord, America needs, Fort Myers needs, Bonita needs Gospel Baptist Church. They need Winkler Road Baptist Church. And I pray that you'd make this place and others like it a mighty testimony for our great God. And may there be glory in the church. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239 947 one two eight five. Thank you and God bless.